Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Peace and many blessings. We thank God for this morning. I believe that God is here to bless us. Amen. And to speak into our lives. Can we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. We pray that even as we have come before your presence, we pray that you shall speak to us. We pray that you shall open our minds to understand your word. We pray that may we leave this place with a blessing. I pray that you shall speak through me even unto your people in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank the General Vasia for the opportunity to share with us this morning. And we will be continuing on our main theme for the year. Um, this morning, I will share with us briefly on the topic, the mercy of God. Hallelujah. The mercy of God. I believe that a central part of the message of the gospel is the mercy of God. Hallelujah. The mercy of God forms a major part of the message of the gospel. And I believe that God wants us to have some more level of knowledge and insight into his mercy. The mercy of God. What is the mercy of God? What is the mercy of God? Now, the mercy of God is God's pardon for man for his errors and a violation of his laws and his principles. This is the first understanding of the subject of the mercy of God. So if you ask the average believer what is the mercy of God, the first understanding is that the mercy of God is God's pardon of man for his errors and a violation of his laws and principles. That is the basic understanding of the mercy of God. Now, the mercy of God also, the second understanding of the mercy of God is God's help towards man out of his love and compassion for man. God's help towards man out of his love and compassion for man. It's also called the mercy of God. Hallelujah. So when God helps a man, out of his love for that man and out of his compassion for that man. That help is called mercy. Hallelujah. We say that God has shown that man mercy. So the mercy of God is not only pardoning of man's errors and mistakes. The mercy of God is also God's help towards man. Hallelujah. How do we know this? Let's look at Romans chapter 9 and the verse 16. Romans chapter 9 Verse 16. The Bible says, So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. It is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Now, what this scripture is trying to say is that your advancement in life is not really based on human effort. Hallelujah. When it says it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, it's talking about human effort. So he's trying to say that your advancement or your progress in life is not really dependent 
on human effort, but is dependent on God's help. But he calls that help mercy. Hallelujah. He terms that help as mercy. So he says it's not of your own strength, but it's of God who helps you. It's of God who shows you mercy. Hallelujah. Then let's look at the same Romans chapter 9. Let's start from verse 13. We read from verse 13 to the verse 15. It says, As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Hallelujah. Now, this verse talks about Jacob and Esau. Now, you know that we always say that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, in reality, we should have been saying the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Esau. Now, the reason why we don't say the God of Esau is because God determined to help Jacob above Esau. Hallelujah. Now, that help he gives to Jacob above Esau, he now comes and he calls it mercy. He says that I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Hallelujah. So, his help towards Jacob is now termed as mercy in Romans chapter 9 and the verse 15. Praise the Lord. So, the concept of the mercy of God is number one, pardon for man's errors and a violation of his laws and principles. And then number two, is God's help towards man out of his love and compassion for man. Amen. Now, we have to understand that in this kingdom, nobody rises minus the mercy of God. Nobody rises minus the mercy of God. That's why David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. Nobody rises in this kingdom minus the help of God, minus the mercy of God. Amen. Now, the question we should ask ourselves is, what sponsors God's mercy towards man? If this is the mercy of God, then what is it that sponsors God's mercy towards man? What is it that causes God to have mercy towards any man? This morning, I will share with us five cardinal principles that sponsors God's mercy towards man. Number one is man's brokenness before God. Man's brokenness before God. It is the first thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man. It's man's brokenness before God. Can we look at Psalm 51 and the verse 17? Psalm 51 and the verse 17. The Bible says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. This, O oh God, you will not despise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. So, we are saying that the first thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man is man's brokenness before God. You know, the, Jesus tells a parable and he says that one day a Pharisee and a publican went before the Lord to pray. And the Bible says that the Pharisee started to pray. And if you read your Bible carefully, the Bible says that, and the Pharisee stood and prayed about himself. That's how the Bible actually puts it. He prayed about himself. And he said that, you know that, you know, I fast so so and so 
number of days. I give a tithe of everything. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm not like this fellow who is over here. He prayed about himself. Now, the Bible says that when he came to the publican, the Bible says he will not even as lift his head up unto the Lord. But in brokenness, he went before the Lord and he began to plead before the Lord. And then the Bible says that of these two is the publican that went away more justified than the Pharisee. In other words, the publican left having received God's mercy and not the Pharisee. What was the basic difference? One went before the Lord with brokenness. Another went before the Lord in pride. Hallelujah. So, what sponsors God's mercy towards man is man's brokenness before God. You see, and this is, this is the cardinal difference between Saul and David. A lot of people make the argument that you know, Saul did not do as much wrong as David did, which may be true. But the reason why David receives mercy and Saul does not receive mercy is their reaction towards their sin when it is made known to them. And so the prophet comes to David and the prophet says that, you know, a man had plenty sheep and when his neighbor came, he had to sacrifice one. He did not sacrifice his sheep, but took his neighbor's sheep. You know, and David was saying that the man should pay uh, is it four folds? And then the prophet said that you, O king, are the one. And then the prophet was, you know, referring to the fact that he killed Uriah, slept with his wife, had a baby, the baby died, and all of that. Now, what is David's reaction towards the revelation of his sin? He goes before God in brokenness, and then he writes Psalm 51 that we read, which says, "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, O Lord." And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. David writes Psalm 51 as a result of Nathan's rebuke of his sin. That is when he comes to write Psalm 51. And then he writes that a broken and a concrete heart, O Lord, you will know way despite. And so when David's sin is made known to him, he goes before God in brokenness. And that is why he receives mercy from God. That is why God does not take away the kingdom from him. Hallelujah. But in the case of Saul, when God commanded Saul to destroy all of the Amalekites, the Bible says that he spared the good of the land. And when Samuel came and rebuked him, what did he say? He said, Nevertheless, go with me unto the assembly of the people and worship with me. In other words, he was trying to say that, look, you, let's flow, you know, like nothing has happened. Let the people see that, you know, I'm still in good standing with the prophet and with God. And God said, look, I have taken the kingdom away from you. What's the difference? Why does one man receive mercy? And another man received condemnation. It's because one man goes before God in brokenness. Another man goes before God in pride. Hallelujah. So what sponsors God's mercy towards man? It's man's brokenness before God. Hallelujah. Let's look at an interesting story in the book of First Kings chapter 21. About King Ahab. First Kings 21. We'll read from verse 25 to 28. It says, but there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. So this is, this is talking about after um, Ahab had killed Naboth, taken his vineyard and all of that. Now God starts to pass judgment on Ahab. And this is what he says about Ahab, that there is no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Now, for God to describe you like this, you, you should have done a lot. 
Yeah, to be tempted as the man who has so... It's like in the whole world, if you are looking for somebody who is wicked, it's like Ahab is number one. Yeah, that's what the Bible is actually trying to say. So you could almost say that it's like after Satan, Ahab is next. Praise the Lord. He says, no one has... There's no one who has sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. 26. And he behaved very abnormally in following idols. So apart from his wickedness, he followed idols in addition. According to all the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard those words, what was those words? The words of judgment that was passed by the prophet that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. So Ahab has done wickedness. There's no one as wicked as him in the face of all the earth. The prophet comes and passes judgment upon him and this is what Ahab decides to do. He tears his clothes. He puts on sackcloth. He goes mourning. He goes fasting before the Lord. 28. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. We are looking at the most wicked man on the surface of the earth. Judgment is passed on this man. And this man goes before God in brokenness. And God reverses his judgment. God shows this wicked man mercy. Why? Because he has approached God in brokenness. Hallelujah. This is the power of brokenness before our God. Brokenness sponsors God's mercy towards man. I came to tell you, it doesn't matter the degree of your sin. It doesn't matter what you have done. Once you go before God in brokenness, God's mercy becomes available unto you. Praise the Lord. Man's brokenness before God. It's one of the first things that sponsors God's mercy towards man. Number two, the second thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man is God's faithfulness to his word. God's faithfulness to his word. God's faithfulness to his word. Have we, have we ever wondered why God is merciful towards us every time we go before him in confession and saying that, you know, Father, we are sorry. We did A, B, C, and D, and we didn't do well, and we are sorry. The reason why we are always assured of mercy is because God is faithful to his promise of forgiveness. God is faithful to his promise of forgiveness. First John 1 and the verse 9. First John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is God's promise to us. That if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, the reason why God forgives us all the time is because He is faithful to this promise. He is faithful to this word. That if you come to me confessing that you are wrong, I am faithful to my promise of forgiveness. You see, that is why you always receive mercy from the Lord. It's because God is faithful to His promise. Hallelujah. And boy, am I glad that God is faithful to his promise of forgiveness. Can you imagine if God was like man, who is unfaithful to his promises? The Bible says that if we remain faithless, God still remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. 
His faithfulness to his promise of forgiveness is what always guarantees us mercy. That's why the Bible is able to tell us that come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help you in time of need. The the reason why we can stand boldly on that word is because we know that he is faithful to his promise of forgiveness. God's faithfulness to his word is what sponsors his forgiveness towards man. Hallelujah. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God is faithful to that promise of forgiveness. Forgiveness. That is why it doesn't matter if you have committed small sin, if you have committed big sin, if you have committed mid-range sin, God is not able to forgive all of us. Why? Because he's faithful to his promise of forgiveness. You see, a lot of times people ask that so you know, somebody maybe he just told a small lie. God will forgive him. Then there's another person, you know, he will commit murder. He will destroy lives. You know, he will rape uh, women and children. He will commit all of these things. Like, why does God still forgive that person? Why doesn't God punish that person, even if that person... Why doesn't God... You see, because he's faithful to his word. He has given his word that if you confess, I am faithful and just to forgive. And he cannot go back on that word. So his faithfulness to that promise is what guarantees forgiveness to any human being on this earth, no matter the degree of their sin. Hallelujah. A lot of us have an, a, a problem with that aspect of God. That is like, why, why should God forgive this person? Why should God? It's, it's as, almost as if that there are certain people who, who should merit forgiveness. And there are certain people who should not merit forgiveness. But you see, if even Ahab can be forgiven, if even the most wicked man on the surface of this earth can be forgiven, then I don't know who is beyond forgiveness. Hallelujah. God forgives man because of his faithfulness to his word. Now, I find that a lot of the times, many summits in trying to portray the mercy of God, they have always connected it to the mercy of God. Hallelujah. To the faithfulness of God, sorry. Every time they want to talk about the mercy of God, they have always linked it to the faithfulness of God. For example, there's a song that we sing, which is uh, very common. We always say that, For His mercies, Shall endure, oh, faithful, For his mercies shall endure, oh, his mercies shall endure, oh, You see, the songwriter says, for his mercy shall endure. Then he explains why his mercy endures. Because he's faithful. His mercy endures because he's faithful. His faithfulness to forgiveness is what makes his mercy endure. And then he continues to say that his mercy is ever sure. But what gives him that confidence that God's mercy is ever sure is because he knows that God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his promise of forgiveness. Hallelujah. Oh, ever faithful, 
You see, another songwriter wrote, and he said that, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. You see, he says, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Then he says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. I see new mercies every morning because great is thy faithfulness. Your faithfulness to your promise of forgiveness is what makes me see new mercies every morning. Then he says that all I have needed, all I have needed, thy hands have provided great is thy faithfulness. In other words, the help I have needed, the help I have needed, thy hands have provided. And the help I received is because great is thy faithfulness. Remember that we defined mercy as God's help towards man out of his love and compassion for man. And he said that that help, that need you have provided and it's because great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. We cannot talk about the mercy of God minus the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. What sponsors God's mercy towards man is his faithfulness towards God. Hallelujah. New mercies I see. All I have lived that thy hands have provided. Great is thy The third thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man is man's recognition of his unfruitfulness without God. Man's recognition of his unfruitfulness without God. When you get to that point, when you realize that you can achieve nothing without God, when you get to that point where you recognize that you are nothing without God, you become a candidate to receive God's mercy. You become a candidate to receive the help of God. To receive the favor of God. To receive the wisdom of God. When you recognize that you are nothing without God. The Bible says that Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Then he continues and says that without me you can do nothing. When you get to the point where you recognize that without God you can do nothing. You become a candidate for his mercy. You see that's the, that's the secret Moses understood. So God sends him and he says that if your presence does not go with me, I do not go. Because he understood that, Charlie, when I come to the point where I see that, Charlie, I'm nothing without God. That is when his mercy is multiplied towards me. You see, that's why God told uh, Paul, he says that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, my help comes to you when you get to the point where you realize that you are weak and you are nothing and you need me. Hallelujah. You see, Apostle Paul understands this mystery. That is why in talking, he says that I have worked harder than all of the apostles. Then he comes and says, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me, by the help of God which is with me, but the mercy of God which is with me. Hallelujah. When you get to that point, 
when you see that you are nothing without God, you become a candidate for the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Somebody once said that when the strength of God comes to you and he finds strength, he goes back. But when he comes and he finds weakness, that is when his grace is multiplied upon you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness, not in your strength. So when you get to the point where you feel that, oh, you have strength, the strength of God is never made available to you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness, not in your strength. This is the third thing that sponsors God's mercy towards any man. Man's recognition of his unfruitfulness without God. Praise the Lord. Number four. The fourth thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man, it's God's love and compassion for man. God's love and compassion for man. Ultimately, whatever mercy we receive, either it is pardon for our sins, either it is God's help, whether it is God's favor, whatever mercy we receive from God, ultimately, is because of God's love and compassion for man. Ultimately, it's because of God's love and compassion for man. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's act of mercy towards man is ultimately because of his love for man. Let me say this. God's love for man, God's mercy towards man, as a result of his love for man, predates God's bro- man's brokenness before God. God's mercy towards man out of his love for man, it predates man's brokenness before God. Why do I say that? The Bible talks about Jesus and the Bible says that Jesus is the lamp of God that was slain before the foundations of this world. Which means that before the world was formed, God had a plan of mercy towards man. And his plan of mercy towards man is born out of his love for man, not really out of man's brokenness before him. Because before the foundations of the world, there was nothing like brokenness before God. Then the Bible comes and says that whilst we are yet in us, Christ died for us. So God's mercy towards us, it predates our brokenness. Because brokenness comes when you recognize that you have sinned and then you move before God out of the brokenness and say that, forgive, forgive me of my sin. But God is saying that whilst we were yet sinners, whilst we knew what was even called brokenness, His mercy was available to us. Why? Because of His love towards us. Hallelujah. God's love and compassion for man sponsors his mercy towards man. Hallelujah. Then the last thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man it's man's mercy towards another man. Man's mercy towards another man. It's one thing that sponsors God's mercy towards man. God's mercy towards man is provoked by man's mercy towards another man. One day Jesus told his disciples, he said that when you are praying, say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, show us mercy as we show mercy to our fellow men. God's mercy towards man is sponsored by man's mercy towards another man. Jesus was very clear. He said that if you do not forgive your brother his sin, God in heaven will also not forgive you of your sin. In other words, God's mercy towards you does not come 
if he doesn't see mercy from you towards another man. The Bible again says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So man's mercy towards man is what sponsors God's mercy towards that man. Hallelujah. One day Jesus told an interesting parable. He said that a servant owed his master a lot of money. And his master called him and said that, Pay me my money or I'll throw you in jail. And the servant began to beg and said that, Have mercy upon me because I don't have the money. Be merciful unto me. And the Bible says that, And the master forgave this man. And then this servant went out and then he saw another servant who owed him money which was far less than what he owed the master. And he demanded for his money. And the Bible says that that his servant, that his friend also now began to beg him and said that, look, forgive me. And he said that, I won't forgive you. And he threw that man in prison. Then the Bible says that when the master heard this, he called the servant whom he had forgiven. And he said that, look, I forgive you your many debts. Why could you not give, forgive your brother also his debts? And then the master said that, now sell him and sell all his family to pay off the debt. What am I trying to say? You see, this servant received mercy from the master because of brokenness. When his master called him and he came, he started crying and pleading. And because brokenness before God is one of the things that sponsors God's mercy towards man, this servant received mercy. He was forgiven of his sins because of brokenness. Now he goes out and he sees his brother and he must demonstrate man's mercy towards another man. And he could not demonstrate man's mercy towards another man. Because he could not do that, the mercy he obtained out of brokenness, he lost it. Because he could not demonstrate man's mercy towards another man. Now when I began to think about this parable, I said, look, it's a very serious thing. Because perhaps many of us here, we have obtained mercy from the Lord because of brokenness. But we probably have lost that mercy because after receiving mercy through brokenness, we could not show man's mercy towards another man. And the same way this servant lost mercy from the master, perhaps many of us have lost the mercy we obtained from brokenness because after brokenness, we could not forgive our fellow man. And I realized that, Charlie, <laughs> maybe we are, we are very confident in saying that, look, we confess our sins to the Lord every day. And we go before God crying and say, Father, forgive us. And in that instant, the Lord forgave us. But we went out and somebody gave us broken heart. And we said that we will never forgive this guy. What we do not know is that we, on, at that moment, we lost the mess we obtained through brokenness. So you will die and you will still go to hell. Even though you obtained mercy by brokenness, you lost that mercy because you could not demonstrate man's mercy towards another man. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hallelujah. The last thing I want to say before I close is that one of the things we must as believers learn to do is to have mercy upon ourselves. Hallelujah. Have mercy towards yourself. I want to talk about man's mercy towards himself. Look, you must learn to forgive yourself. 
you must learn to forgive yourself. You know, Jesus tells Peter that before the rooster crows, you deny me three times. And it did indeed happen. Peter denies Jesus three times. After Peter denies Jesus, Peter separates himself from the rest of the apostles because he thought that, look, I have betrayed my Lord. I have betrayed my Messiah. Now, when Jesus resurrects, Jesus now tells the ladies, go tell the disciples and Peter also that I have resurrected and that they should meet me in Galilee. Why did he say, and Peter also? Because you see, God had forgiven Peter. Jesus had forgiven Peter. Because if you read your Bible carefully, the Bible says that when Peter came to the acknowledgement that he had, you know, betrayed the master, he went away in sorrow. He went away weeping. And the Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. And so, the Lord had seen Peter's sorrow. And the Lord had forgiven Peter. But Peter had not forgiven himself. So when Jesus was now telling them that meet me in Galilee, he said that tell the disciples and tell Peter also who cannot recognize that I have forgiven him and that he must forgive himself. Tell him also who betrayed me. Tell him that he should also meet me in Galilee. We must learn to forgive ourselves after we have asked for forgiveness from the Lord. Praise the Lord. I am sharing this because I noticed that is one of the things that is dear to the heart of God. One day I was in a meeting and there was a young lady in the meeting and as we were praying, the Lord said, tell this young lady there's something she has done and she has asked for forgiveness and I have forgiven her but she still keeps remembering the thing and then he said, tell her that me God, I have forgotten she is the one who keeps reminding herself but as far as me God I'm concerned I have forgotten about the thing then I understood the scripture which says that as far as the east is from the west that is how far I have taken your sins away then he says that I am the one who blots out your transgressions and I remember them no more then I remember that and I realized that look we are the ones who remember (laughs) as for God when he says he has forgiven you he has forgotten about the thing Praise the Lord. We must learn to have mercy for ourselves. We must learn to forgive ourselves. One day I was in another meeting and there was a young lady and the Lord said, you see, tell her, I'm trying to shift her to another dimension. But every time I try to shift her to another dimension, she remembers her past and she remembers everything she has done in the past. And she's not willing to flow in the new dimension I'm taking her because she's always remembering her past. And he says, tell her that, Charlie, I don't look at the past to determine your future. When your past is over and I've forgiven you, the past remains in the past. Tell her to also leave the past in the past and move on. Hallelujah. You must learn to forgive yourself after God has forgiven you. Hallelujah. I believe that this morning, God has taught us a great deal concerning His mercy. Hallelujah. I pray that We shall be recipients of God's mercy. And I pray that we shall also be a people who dispense mercy towards our fellow man. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hallelujah. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, you may.